FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode... 325 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's going to be a b- 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 bonus episode. Um, yeah, I uh, just wanted to take a quick minute to talk about War of the Realms. Um, very, very excited about it. Uh, to be fair, while I think he will have a fairly major role to play in the story overall, Wolverine is barely in this first issue, but I'm pretty excited about it, and, you know, I'm out among the realms. I'm in the, the magical realm of Marshall, uh, recording in my hotel room for work. Um, <laughs> Marshall, Texas. Uh, what, what? Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I just wanted to take, like, is this probably going to be a quick quick in and out episode but I've been really looking forward to this book even even in the midst of all the event fatigue um, this one has me intrigued intrigued with fatigue uh, yeah I don't know um, so War in the Realms um, the newest Marvel event yada 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 yakahoo um, but it's the culmination of of Jason Aaron's well, really, it kind of sounds like maybe the culmination of all his Marvel work in general. But for sure, his epic Thor run, you know, which started quite a ways back um, with the, the God Asunder. God Asunder. A God Torn Asunder. Hey, that's an idea. No, no, yeah, someone do something with that. But uh, the God of Thunder uh, series that he did, and then, of course, in into the regular Thor book that he kicked off and different volumes and different swings of the characters, uh, swings of the hammer. Um, you know, including one of, one of my favorite turns of Thor uh, with Jane Foster as Thor was, oh my gosh, just so good. Um, but his run, really from the very kickoff, Whatever the book happened to be called, you know, as it ran through its uh, different reboots and relaunches and all the things that Marvel does. Um, I wouldn't even say there's any missteps. There's really only been like a handful of single issues that were not fantastic. Um, and I, that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. Because uh, no one hits a home run every time, right? I mean, nobody. Um, but this run is damn close um really i would say you know looking at at it as a whole you know not just one of my favorite thor runs one of my favorite runs in comics period which is pretty impressive um you know um yeah i just i've really enjoyed all the different places uh he's taken the thor and as guardian mythos and um, really, really have enjoyed it, and so this is kind of where it all comes to a head, right? Uh, all the all the underdealings with uh, Malekith 
and and Loki and the the war they've been spreading through the the ten realms and now it's coming to Earth. Um, that's kind of what this kickoff is about. So, anyway, enough enough preamble. But I'm just if you can't tell, I'm pretty pretty stoked, pretty excited about this one. So, um, this is War of the Realms Chapter One, The Last Realm Standing, written by Jason Aaron. Drawn by the amazing Russell Dodderman. Colors by Matthew Wilson. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And the main cover. And there's a slew of variant covers. But I got the main one this time. Um, is by Arthur Adams and Matthew Wilson. And it is a uh, wraparound cover. With pretty much everybody you can think of in Marvel. Fighting some Asgardian bad guys. I really want to say Asgardian bad guys. Uh, just different invasion forces from the different realms. Um, you, know, you have Spider-Man fighting an angel. You have Captain Marvel fighting a, a fire person. Um, on the back part of the cover, we have, of course, Wolverine in his uh, plain clothes uh, taking a stab, literally, at a troll. Uh, you have Captain America deflecting flame with his shield. Um, of course, the main center piece of the the front part of the comic is Thor and Malekith. Um, and Iron Man shooting a frost giant in the eye. Um, you have Doctor Strange wrapping up an angel. She-Hulk fighting some trolls. Iron Fist doing his thing. And it's just lots of really cool stuff um, on this cover. It's a pretty great cover. Uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and really just says, hey, this is going to be all out action, isn't it? Pretty much is. Um, we start off with a cool little map of the world tree and the realms. <laughs> Interestingly enough, so it was all like in kind of a, you know um, an homage to like it looks like it'd be like an old parchment or like a wall painting or something um, that kind of gives a map of the realms. Um, it kind of has that old antique, ancient look, but then kind of out of nowhere. Hanging from one of the branches of the Tree of Life is a Spider-Man hanging upside down from a web. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, so we start off then um, on Asgard. Kind of a dark, depressing place right now after it got ravaged by the Mangog and the Rainbow Bridge broken. And you know Odin on a, on a dusty throne with his two ravens. And some dark elf assassins show up, try to take him out. And maybe do, maybe don't. He puts up a good fight, gives as good as he gets, but at the end of the scene, he's on the floor, surrounded by dark elves with a bunch of shunk, shunk, shunks, as they they just dig their blades into to Odin flesh. Um, so we go to Midgard. Um, one of the things I love about the most recent run uh, with with Thor and his golden arm uh, trying to regain his uh, worthiness uh, after um, Jane threw uh, Mjolnir into the sun um, to defeat the Mangog, right? That was kind of her final, final act as uh, the mighty Thor. Um, anyway, uh, Thor, or at least uh, Odinson, um, and his dog, Thori, um, which is a lot cooler than it might, might sound when you say it out loud like that. It, but they've been living on a boat in the harbor, um, and there's a big crash. Um, 
and it's Loki, all beat up, and says, I was found out. I'm a, I betray everybody. I don't know why it surprises anybody, but uh, Malachi, Malekith found out, and, you know, he took advantage of me. But, hey, look, there's his assassins now. We see some more Dark Elves. Um, Thorin, you know, kind of has a thing. He's sniffing Loki, and he tries to tell Thor something with Thor is too busy arguing with Loki and demanding that he be taken to the realm where Malekith is. And Loki's like, I can't, I can't. The rainbow bridge is broken. And Thor's like, I know Malekith has a dark rainbow bridge. A rainbow in the dark! Um, <laughs> and so Loki agrees. And Thor's like, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Ah, you're gone. Damn it, I'm trying to tell you something. No one listens to the dog. Um... But, you know, Thor said, Thorry, go get the Avengers. And so I guess that's what he's going to do. So we go to Jotunheim, um, where we just get an awesome page of Dodderman and Wilson doing some frost giants in the snow. And turns out that Loki's not the only one. He doesn't have a, a monopoly on deception. Um, this Loki happens to be Malekith himself. And he's delivered Thor to the Frost Giants for his punishment and announces his plans to take the War of the Realms that he pretty much has, if not the complete support of all the realms, like representatives from every realm that are on his side. And they're going to take their forces to the Earth, to Midgard, and take it over. Um, so we switch to Midgard, and we have Spider-Man spinning around. By the way... Love the uh, Dodderman and Wilson psychedelic spider sense, but um, also really, and I don't remember if he's ever really had a good chance to ride him, but really like Jason Aaron's uh, Spider-Man, um, gets uh, gets his attitude down pretty good. Um, you know, for example, he comes, gets the spider sense, comes through a roof where Freya and company are being attacked by the Dark Elf assassins. He's like, oh man, was tonight the LARPing meetup? <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but yeah, um, so Spider-Man helps Lady Freya. Then busting out, we have uh, Sif and Valkyrie. and Or one of the Valkyries. I don't know, I guess it's not the same one that's currently with um, uh, the Asgardians of the galaxy. Uh, and then of course we have uh, Jane Foster with a sword as well. Just in her human form. No longer as Thor. Um, and Spider-Man uh, helps. They all defeat the Dark Elf Assassins. But they're like, where is Thor? The war is here. Like, it's all here. It's on Midgard. We gotta do something. Um, and then we see different heroes kind of reacting. Doctor Strange can tell something bad is happening. And he starts to work some magic. Daredevil has a kind of a preternatural sense um, of something coming. I like it, Logan, our one Logan scene, he's at a bar uh, with a big neon beer sign, and it says, uh, in a Westchester tavern, old adamantium bones begin aching in an all-too-familiar way, and one last round is ordered. I get th I like the idea that, like, like, Wolverine can feel trouble in his bones. Um, you know, I, I if you have, like, a... Um, like a knee replacement or a, a shoulder replacement or like screws in your in your jaw maybe like me um uh and you can the idea i've never actually really had this sensation you know people talk about 
when they have metal in their body, sometimes they can feel like the weather change. I, I think enough people have said it that they there probably are people that really experience that. I never have. But, um, but anyway, um, I like the idea, though, that playing off of that, that Wolverine's metal bones would not only just sense, like, the weather coming, but kind of, uh, kind of sense trouble. Almost like a, a wolfie's sense, which I don't think I've ever heard anyone do before, so I thought that was an interesting idea. Um, we have Punisher on the rooftop shouted out. Um, he's about to kill someone when various nefarious forces invade Midgard um, and a nice double page spread and crooked paneling. Um, really, uh, Dodderman's layouts are always interesting. Um, so yeah, so our heroes spring into action. We see almost every hero that we saw a minute ago except for Wolverine. I guess he's going to be late to the party. Um, but we see... <laughs> Uh, Iron Man show up. He's like, greetings, pretty bird ladies. I'm sure this is all a big misunderstanding that we can work out back in my place over birdie, bubbly and bird seed. And, and Captain Marvel's like, damn it, stop flirting. He's like, I can't help it. Flirting is my superpower. <laughs> so, some more. I, I mean, you could say maybe just everybody's being snarky, but not everybody is. So that's, that's kind of the difference of maybe some of the things I've complained about before. Um, but really enjoy Jason Aaron's sense of humor. I, for the most part, always have. Um, so, yeah. So, our Avengers spring into action as well. Captain America, Blade, Ghost Rider, She-Hulk. That whole crew from that Jason Aaron's current Avengers run. But then Malachis shows up with the new Lords of Midgard, which I'm going to take a stab at this. Um, it's Enchantress. Dario Agar from Roxon. Of course, Malekith himself on his, uh, the tiger that, uh, never mind. It's a white tiger. I was going to make a very, uh, poor taste joke, and I won't. Um, then we have some sort of angel from heaven in the background. We have, uh, the, um, oh, shoot, the fire lady. Um, she's been pretty prominent in Aaron's Thor run as kind of the queen of, um, even with the map, I forget the realms. But the Queen of Musselheim, or Mu Muscle, Muscleheim. Um, then we have a guy in like really dark demonic armor, and then we have what I'm, I believe this is Ulick the troll, um, in his daughterman's new design. Um, anyway, Malekith is uh, preaching about how they they've already really won the war. It's just a formality. But in the middle of his speech, he gets interrupted by Captain America's shield across the face, which I thought was a great moment as he calls for the Avengers to assemble. Um, but then, of course, the, the King and the Frost Giant shows up. He's about to wreak some havoc. Picks up Lady Freya, but she cuts his arm off, says, I'm better than Odin. And then, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. Loki cut his, his hand off. Um... But then Malekith gets mad at Loki. They talk about betraying each other. That was a foregone conclusion. Um, Loki says, Mother, I don't intend for you to trust me, but hopefully I can, can help. Um, and then his dad, the Frost Giant, picks him up and eats him after some very <laughs> mean, unfatherly words about how ashamed he is of him. And you know, our hero's like, Oh, okay, well that levels this up a little bit. Then we go back. Everyone's looking for Thor. No one knows where he is. Uh, Thor, he said he just disappeared. 
Uh, we go back to uh, uh, Jotunheim. And Thor is, send more frost giants. Send them all you have. And he's covered in frost giant blood. And he's got his you know various assortment of hammers that he's been trying to use. Um, one thing I found really interesting about this page is the, the beat up close-up fingernails of the frost giants all kind of chewed up and chiseled um it's a nice kind of gross detail um but anyway that's uh, where our book ends um a lot of fun the art uh Dodderman and wilson just kill it there's a lot going on here it's very very quickly paced but Dodderman's level of detail um and just how clean his art always is just makes this feel really, really nice. And of course, Wilson is a, a colorist supreme. Um, so great job the two of them together make a fantastic looking book. I really like the story. I've been excited about it. Um, I think the dialogue is, goes really well. Um, the action's really nice. It, it's a great opening salvo of the War of the Realms, you know, bringing all the forces to Earth, to Midgard. It's kind of a big piece of the battle, um, maybe even the, the last big piece of the battle, as, as Malekith has been already kind of, like I said, either taking over or finding pockets of cooperation in all the realms. Um, Midgard's kind of the last stop. Um, you know, that's why, I guess that's why it's called a last realm standing, but this is a great opening chapter. I um, really, really loved it um, quite a bit. Um, yeah. I'm going to give this six out of six claws. I, I, I'm looking at the checklist and the ads, and man, there's a lot of tie-ins and stuff, and that's the part of the event maybe I'm not super excited about, but that really has nothing to do with this issue I'm holding in my hands. This issue I'm holding in my hands is really, really great. It is a, a perfect kickoff to the story. has me continuing to be excited for at least the main part of the story and you know i will try the tie-ins at various levels depending on my interest right that's how that works <laughs> but um but as far as this issue number one of war of the realms so so good so so fun if you've been enjoying aaron's marvel output at all kind of a must read um, so we're going to have uh, some bonus episode. We're going to have some uh, bonus coverage of another new number one that came out this week. Major X. It happened. It is life held to the max. Um, this is Major X number one. Written and penciled by Rob Liefeld. Um... Lifefield does some of the inks, gets some assists from Adelso Corona and longtime collaborator back from his extreme studio days, Dan Praga. Praga, maybe? I don't know. Um, Ramulo Fajardo Jr. does the colors. VC's Joe Sabino does the letters. And then uh, Lifefield and Fajardo do the cover. Um, on this cover, we have our new Major X character. Uh, front and center with his guns and swords and clubs and whatever else he has. And then behind him are some faces. We have Beast, Cable, Storm, maybe? She's not in the books. That's weird. I think it's Storm. Um, 
Deadpool and, of course, on the bottom, Wolverine with his claws crossed in X's across his chest. And he's got he's letting out a mighty growl. Um, not a terrible cover. Uh, Major X's design is very Liefeldian. Um, red and black tights, you know, the boots with the straps. <laughs> um... The helmet looks is so life held it hurts. Um, it kind of has that. All right. Um, if you have followed Liefeld a lot, um, you may recognize this helmet as when uh, one of the times when uh, from Youngblood when Die Hard was in his robotic form, like more of his uh, kind of battle armor versus when he had. So, so from what I remember from limited reading. Um, of old Youngblood comics. Uh, the Die Hard character kind of had three facial kind of setups, right? Um, yeah, his main thing where he basically had like a Deadpool Spider-Man mask. Um, you know, the form-fitting mask over the over the whole face. Um, he had like the flashback where he had like the hooded Cobra Commander look. Um... Which is kind of cool, actually. But um, anyway, and then he had like another form, like in more of his battle armor, that was like a, a helmet with his diehard visual. But the the jaws of the helmet were very angular, kind of coming down to his chin. So this guy has a very similar helmet, but it's black with a red X, which I guess he and we see actually in the comic he sees out of the X. Uh, it's maybe red reflective on the outside, but he can see through it. Um, and he has a glowing blue circle on his chest. And so that's our that's our character. And really everything you need to know is in his design. Um, take that for what it's worth, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's definitely how it is. <laughs> um, so we start off this comic. And I'm you know, I'm gonna say, um, you know, I'm sparing this. I'm sure we'll mention it. Next time we talk with uh, Georgie and Dan from Excalibros, I'm not insisting that they read this, though I think from Twitter that they both have read the first issue. Um, and they are probably in a little bit different boat than me. Um, I'm not a Liefeld art hater. Um, I think there are lots of good aspects to his art, um, especially you know back in his heyday. There was just something about... Um, just the action and the the dynamic of it, and yes, kinetic was the word I was looking for. Sorry, I kind of paused it. I was trying to think of that word. Um, just a very kinetic action, and yes, right, all the problems that people like to make fun of today exist, and they're all valid points, right? The the foot thing, the the sometimes terrible body proportions, so that's way in check. In this issue, just FYI, um, you know, all that stuff is true. Um, people kind of look in the same uh, that the whole way too many teeth. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to complain about Liefeld, and especially his '90s output. I mean, you're not wrong for complaining about it or pointing it out or identifying it. I think for me, all that gets outweighed by just how frenetic and kinetic feeling and I don't know how explosive and different his art was when it came out and 
I think there's some things he does really well. And, you know, obviously, like I said, some acknowledged um, artistic shortcomings. But I, I do feel like most of those are not as egregious in this issue. But I guess I'll save that for when I actually talk about how I feel about it. But anyway, I just want to kind of set the table and go in. Now, if you're expecting me, I know it's kind of popular right now to really just kind of bash on and bag on Liefeld. And that's not what you're going to get from me for whether that's good or bad. It will be up to you, dear listener. But it's just not just not where I am um, as a comic fan. So, now it's writing on the other hand. <laughs> we may have some things to talk about. But we start off... Um, and so we have heard, and they don't say this in the book, but you kind of get the impression based on costumes, though, with the return to 90s costumes, it may not be as obvious. Um, and, you know, we're, with the characters we have, you kind of know it's in the past. Um, Liefeld has stated this takes place between the end of New Mutants and the beginning of X-Force. So kind of a, a pretty... I'm almost back to that in my flashback reading. Um... I don't remember there being... I know there was a little bit of a publishing gap. I don't remember there being a big storytelling gap between the end of New Mutants and X-Force, but my memory could be off there, and I may come back in a couple of months when I've read that far and be like, oh yeah, there totally was like, you know, a chunk of missing time where this falls in pretty nicely. But anyway, that's that's supposedly when it's happening. So we start off with our OG X-Force team at the X Mansion, and they're all knocked out, and Major X is the culprit, and he's got lightning almost coming out of his chest, and there's there's sparky wires, and he's got his foot on Cable's neck, and wants him to surrender, and he has a time log, um, and Cable gives him the countdown, he says, you have five seconds to get your foot off of my face, and starts counting down, and then we get a gray beast, Who's not Dark Beast, um, but he's, he's gray, he's older. Also, is he's either wearing a furry jacket vest, or his, he dyed his hair red in a vest. It's definitely furry, it doesn't really seem to distinguish itself from the rest of his body. But overall, I actually, and part of it, guys, part of the reason this book works maybe better than it should... Romulo Fajardo Jr., who I'm not super familiar with, does a great job on the colors of making it very clear and vibrant, but also kind of nodding to 90s color palettes a little bit. Really, really good, but I actually really enjoy this older beast design uh, with the pencils and colors and all that. It looks it looks pretty cool. But of course, Cable fights back, and oh man, there's a lot of 90s tough guy almost like uh, whoever wrote Die Hard wrote all these lines um, and Major X and Cable are arguing and Cable accuses him of being in Strife's MLF and, but this guy's like no Strife is taken care of by the time I come from so right out of the bat we know he's another time traveler from the future um old beast uh, goes after Cable, tries to help him out. Uh, Major X cuts off Cable's hand, but says, hey, I know he's going to grow back, but I just need need some time to talk. And Cable's like, we're not talking, we're fighting. <laughs> and then we go to the X-istance, the existence 
but X apostle resistance. And this is the new, this is the different uh, future mutant utopia after the mutant wars where the the mutants have, have come together to live in peace. But it's kind of cool that it's like out in the desert. Um, so it's not like a a para, paradisiacal, I think that's how you say that. I think that's how I heard John Wilson say that one time. So I think it's right. Um, or he made it up and I just bought it. Um, it's kind of so it's kind of almost like a wasteland type environment, but then he talks about it like it's uh, utopia, and so it's the existence and it's being held together by this mysterious force of a person, um, not X sanctuary, what um, X essential, essential. Um, the major X is out on his motorbike, patrolling. He feels like something's a little off, um, besides there being two moons. So it's obviously on a different planet. But he, he checks into headquarters, and they're like, the existence is, is falling apart and breaking away. I don't know what's going on. And then Beast tackles him and says, you weren't answering your radio. I will say, this panel of Grey Beast on top of Major X is a really cool panel. I'm not sure what he's standing on. His feet are kind of flat, but not quite on Major X. Um, but anyway, they argue some. He's like, hop on my bike. we got to go save everything. And he's going to do a warp drive from his bike. And it's never been tried before, except for I tried it once and it worked. So both of those can't be true. But um, anyway, they they do the, the bike thing through space and time. Um... Uh, we see some faces of some people that are leaving behind. Uh, several of these look like young blood characters. Um, you have the guy with like the V head and the smoke coming out of the top that looks like um, uh, uh, Photon, I think was his name. Um, you have a guy who kind of looks like the Thing. Um, you have a guy who kind of looks like the Savage Dragon and there's some other other characters. Uh, uh, Liefeld is that Cougar character maybe on this page as well. Um, Anyway, they, they go to the past, and that catches us back up to where we are. But someone comes in, and we see reflected in Major X's helmet. Wolverine jumping in. Heads up, bub. You're going to get it. And he slices that Major X in typical uh, mid-air fighting. Uh, the beast is worried. He tackles Wolverine. Wolverine says... You're, you're beast, but you smell off. Um, and so they fight some more, and then, surprise, surprise, Wolverine's claws are stopped by Major X's sword. It's an adamantium sword. And Wolverine's like, well, how'd you get that? And he goes, well, um, we fashioned it from the remains of your bones long after your passing. So some more indication he's from the future. Um, but then Cable shoots him. Not a kill shot, though. And says, stay down. And there, he's going to maybe talk a little bit, but then Dreadpool shows up. He's really just futuristic looking Deadpool, but with shoulder pads. But then the real Deadpool shows up on the motorbike. So Deadpool fights Dreadpool. Um, you know, after Wolverine gets captured by some adamantium rope. <laughs> and so, yeah. So we see some stuff there. Um... 
Dreadpool refers to Deadpool as the anomaly, so everyone starts calling him the anomaly. But he, he runs away, says, I'll be back to deal with this later. Uh, Major X is like, oh, man. And Cable's like, all right, son, tell him who you are. I figured it out. So he takes off his helmet and is Alexander Nathaniel Summers, one of Cable's sons from one of Cable's futures. So there's that. <laughs> I honestly don't really know how I feel about it. It is, uh, like I said, I feel to the max. As far as the art goes, there's a couple of gaffes. Um, you know, obviously some of the costume design is not preferential. Uh, Cable with his, uh, his shoulder pads and, and vest is like a big H on the front and back of his body. Um, and there's a couple of times where that doesn't really go visually. Um, like after he shoots Major Tom, not Major Tom, <laughs> Major X to ground control. Um, the, the pose of him standing over his body is, you know, his arms are a little too far back. I mean, there's some of that. Some of that uh, physiology stuff that Liefeld doesn't always get right is definitely a little present, but it's really not very much. And i got to say, for the most part, art actually looks pretty good, and it pops. Um, the fighting's a little awkward. I just the poses, uh, very 90s. Um, but not, not quite as energetic, maybe, as you would want from Liefeld. Um, maybe in, in an attempt to um, rebuff some criticisms of his art, he was a little cleaner and maybe not quite as energetic. Um, but not too, too bad. Um, the story is kind of... The dialogue is a little too much for me. The story itself, I don't really need another. I'm back in the present to save my future, and also I'm a Summers. There's some, I don't know, there's some fun moments, but didn't really, really get into the story at, at much at all. Um, not to say it couldn't go somewhere, but this first chapter is really just about the art, I think, um, and the colors. Colors, colorist did a good job, did a really good job of making this book look both old but fresh at the same time. Um, yeah, you have some 90s stuff where the there's no real backgrounds on the panels. I'm just kind of thinking about that. I was looking through here. A lot of white space, but even when there's not white space, just a lot of flat space in the backgrounds, very much of a 90s comic trope. Um, yeah, with some some panels with action lines, which that's kind of coming back in vogue. So uh, good good timing on that. Uh, but very very 90s. Um, yeah, um, Wolverine is even too 90s tough, maybe than he was at the time. <laughs> um, and refers he refers to himself in the third person too much. But um, but he looks fine. I mean. Whatever you want to say about Liefeld, he's never had a problem really drawing Wolverine. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Um, part of me feels like a 3 out of 6 is too nice, but part of me feels like a 2 out of 6 is just not fair. There's not that bad. Um, man, 
really kind of struggling here. I'm really not that interested in the story, but the art was good. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm really stuck. I'm really on the fence here. Did not expect this to be so hard. Um, gosh. I just don't really want this story right now, to be honest. Um, uh, you know what? You guys decide. <laughs> it's either a 2 out of 6 or a 3 out of 6 clause. Um, by the way, I retweeted at one point um, a review um, from Pierce Lightning. Um, so definitely go check it out. Uh, let me look up his Twitter handle real fast. Or maybe it's still on my feed. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses. Hold your Wolverine claws. Um, da -da 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 I don't know what song that is. I'm just making shit up. Um, where are you, buddy? Oh, uh, yeah, here we are. So, at P.E. Lightning. This P is in Paul, E is in Edward. Lightning. Uh, Pierce Lightning, who uh, does some news and Rama stuff. Um, and has been on Excalibros before. Anyway, he did a pretty interesting review of Major X number one. Um, it's, I had retweeted it, so it's in my feed if you want to go find it. Um... Kind of in a similar place to me. I think he may have been a little harder on some of it than I was. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm just really nice, I guess. Especially when I'm by myself. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Um, I think how you feel about Liefeld overall... Now, like I said, this is some cleaner Liefeld and some more restrained Liefeld which that has its pros and its cons. But I think however you feel about Lifeboat overall will, will vastly color how you feel about this book. Um, but it was okay. I mean, whatever. I didn't really need it. I don't hate it. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll just say three out of six claws just because I'm so, so waffly. But then I feel like some books I give three out of six are much better than this. I don't know. Anyway, I'm... Enough waffling. There you go. So anyway, War of the Realms. Go read for sure. Major X, maybe flip through it. Maybe someone can give you a free code. Uh, might be worth it at that point. Um, or, you know, or just listen to what I had to say and just decide if you're on the fence that, hey, maybe I'll go check that out. Do whatever you want. <laughs> right in your life. Um... <laughs> It's late. I need to go to bed. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed the episode um, for the podcast that goes snicked. We're here uh, on Twitter is at snickcast. You can like the Facebook page. Uh, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. Um, I believe next up will be our flashback on the '90s Fantastic Four. So. That is a going to be a great episode. So definitely go enjoy that. Um, and until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>